You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. You, you feel this this nervousness on the phone there? Sir, I've been trying to make an urgent phone call up there. Well, I don't think it's something I want to do on an overseas phone. You got to make some phone calls. Hang up the phone. Prank caller. Prank caller. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome once again to Packernet After Dark. This is the call-in show of the Packernet Podcast Network. If you'd like to call in, if you'd like to participate in the show, please feel free to do so. The phone number here is 608-501-0718. We have seven calls, and so I'm going to try to do seven calls. Um, Hopefully that'll take the right amount of time. But we'll start off with Kyle from Madison here. Once I hit the button, there we go. Ryan, Kyle from Madison. What's up, man? What's up? So it's Tuesday when I'm calling in, so I don't know when this will air, but uh, I'm excited to now finally get in this week where we've got a game now. Um, it was interesting watching some of the other games, what I could anyway. Uh, mostly watched the Chargers-Cowboys game. I think that was last night. Um, made me feel a little bit better watching Herbert miss some of those deep shots. Like, all right, well. At least we're not the only one, but uh, as far as our team and our quarterback and looking at this Broncos game, I called in a couple times this summer talking about my wish for the offense was that they incorporate that deep ball often and just stick with it even if it's not there because I didn't believe that this team was good enough and had enough experience to overcome the mistakes that were going to happen with these long drives, matriculating the ball down the field. You know, I knew there was going to be penalties. I knew there was going to be problems. I just don't think they have quite the experience and skill yet to overcome that. And that's proven to be true. Unfortunately, so has the difficulty with the deep ball that, you that you know, you talked about this preseason, preseason especially, just hadn't been there. They've been off on that, whether it's love missing it or, or, or whatever the deal is. But coming into this game, like, I really think two things need to happen. One, A, is obviously getting Jones back and healthy. I think just him in there is going to force attention from the defense. They'd be stupid not to. I mean, we've seen he can he can take over a game, absolutely. Um, that's going to change the way a defense plays the Packers. Uh, but the second thing is, and it's like, it's frustrating to even say it, but I think it has to happen. And that is they have got to keep trying to get the deep wall, deep ball working. So much of what the Packers want to be this year um, immediately can happen if they can just start getting a couple of those deep ball looks. Heck, even one a game. If they can get the, that downfield play, if they can finally get some connections there. I mean, the effect that's going to have on how teams play them I think will be dramatic especially in tandem with getting Jones back. So I know it hasn't looked great uh, so far, but I really hope they don't just abandon that deep shot um, because it really they need to get that going. I mean, that that probably one of the single biggest things in addition to um, how our quarterback plays and how the offensive line handles pressure is going to determine, you know, this next two-thirds of our season. All right, buddy. Bye. Well, yeah, and that kind of goes to the question that I asked um, or has been asked the last couple days. Do we keep our foot on the pedal and just hope that it starts to click or do we start to dial back because it's not working? And I kind of lean with you. Let's just keep the foot on the gas. I mean, that, that you know, it's not to say we can't let off a little bit, but um, we, we have to be able to execute it. It's, it's not like it's not working schematically. It is working. Go back and watch and you can see it. Um, we just got to execute. Guys got to be able to block long enough to to get the playoff. Um, Jordan's got to see it and throw it and throw it accurately, and then the guys got to be able to catch it. And those are three issues, <laughs> the blocking, the throwing, and the catching, that seem to be happening and causing some problems. So, um, yeah, I mean, and the other problem with dialing it back is dial it back to what? Like, what's what's working? You know, I, I could see if we were real good, like, with underneath and all that kind of stuff, which I think early on we were. Like, Jordan was able to hit those and everything else, plus the, the blockers don't have to block as long. 
Um, and that doesn't have to mean behind the line of scrimmage throws. It could be a five yard, eight yard, nine yard, 10 yard throw even. Um, doesn't take these receivers long to to get open. In fact, the, the only thing I saw working were these quick out routes, and those are six, seven, eight, nine, ten yard plays. Um, but I, I, I don't think if we shrink the field and say, let's just throw some quick passes, that it's going to take five seconds for a defensive coordinator to figure out how to take that away and get us right back to, okay, I'm going to force you to throw it down the field, which, to be honest, defenses are probably going to start doing that. I know that's kind of counterintuitive to what a lot of people would do, I don't know if Joe Barry would do that, but, you know, we're not going against Joe Barry. Um, I think probably a lot of defensive coordinators are going to say, no, let's see if you can actually do it. And we have the tools, right? Jordan has the arm. We have the offensive line. We certainly have the speed at receiver, even at tight end. So, yeah, you're right. We have to be able to execute that, period. All right, Ryan, I need some sage advice. All right. So this is a first-world problem. Okay. I'm going to try to make it as quickly as I can to explain what's going on. I work two jobs, put two boys through college. I work side job also on my days off doing landscaping, ironically, um, just to get by, to make ends meet. Um, we make sacrifices to do extracurricular stuff. And this year I opted to argue with my wife to get the NFL package, which I have never ever done being out of the Packer uh, team you know circle of being able to watch home games where I live I would get primetime games but not very many away games and you know uh, games that are out of our area because we usually get overrun with Titans and Kansas City games where I live so I convinced her to get the NFL ticket and said I will you know forego skipping eating out for lunch for the rest of the year, I will give up a few other, you know, things that we would allow ourselves for luxuries. And I said, I will, this is going to be a good year. This is going to be a good year. So I made tons of arguments in positive for letting me do this. And she lets me do it. And now I'm regretting it because I am miserable watching these games sometimes. And she's like, what happened to having fun? I thought this team was going to be good. And so she's just rubbing my nose in it. And I'm like, I don't know what to do, Ryan. I'm trying to enjoy the games as much as I can, even though there's expectations are low. But I'm just, uh, I'm having a hard time making it look like it was a good decision. So tell me that I made a good decision. I know we're only five games into the season, but I've already come so close to throwing a Yankee candle at the TV. So... Tell me what I need to do. Help me out here. I'm out. Well, sorry, I had to get a deep breath there. I think I cracked a rib, so I'm like trying to, if I can maneuver a a deep breath, I try to get it. Um, Well, look, living in Wisconsin, obviously we get to see all the games. I mean, prime time, you got to pay for stuff or whatever, but I pay for it. Um, I can't really imagine not being able to watch a Packer game. I, I, I did grow up in Illinois. So I got to see most of them. Occasionally, it's like, oh, we don't get to see the Packer game, whatever. But I don't even really remember that. And again, we usually got to see them, unless it was, you know, the Bears game and the Packer game were both on at noon. And even then, they would usually show it on the other channel. But if not, then whatever. I know that this isn't the result that we want, but I can't imagine not even being able to participate in being a Packer fan. I mean, essentially, if you hadn't done it, we're saying that it would have been better to just not even participate in being a fan this year. And, and um, that is so much significantly worse, in my opinion, than participating, watching, getting excited, getting angry, getting whatever, and um, still being a part of it, you know? I mean, we only get a few games a year, and good, bad, or, or otherwise, we're Packer fans, and we enjoy Sundays where we get to watch the Packer game. I mean, it's exciting, the build-up, the the excitement, and I know you're on a budget, but I mean, I've been doing that my whole life, and, and you can still make it a heck of a party. Tacos are cheap, man. Go get some tortilla shells and some shredded cheese, some rice, a little bit of meat, some salsa, you know, make some burritos or something, make a mega-rito. I haven't had, by the way, I might do that this week. I haven't done that in years, and I saw somebody do it on YouTube, and I was like, dude, I need to do that. 
Been doing real good with the whole diet exercise thing, aside from the part where I cracked my rib. <laughs> At least I think I did. And um, I think I've deserved a, a Megarito. But, I mean, it's just it's just fun, man. You know, and, and granted, you could find out through the grapevine what happened or hear about who won. And, and I, I can't speak for you, you know. I can't speak for anybody else. But for me personally, I can't imagine saying, never mind, I just won't watch the games, and then we'll go out to Burger King and stuff once in a while. And then, you know, I'll just find out the next day, like, what happened or something. Or, you know, get updates on, on Twitter. I want to be in it, man. I want to be in the thick of it. I want to be there watching it. But I've, I've always been crazy about that, man. Like, I, I, I wouldn't, um, I think I've, I'm not that way anymore. But I refuse to, like, record the game and watch it later. Like, I'm not doing that. I need to watch it live as though, like, it's going to make some kind of a difference in the game. You know, it, it's, it's like that fate hasn't been determined yet. You know what I mean? Like, if you're watching it live... Anything can happen. A comeback can happen. But if you're watching it recorded, like it's it's it just kind of loses the magic because whatever is going to happen has already happened, which I know is stupid, and I know that doesn't make sense. But I'm just saying, like I, again, that's me, and um, I can't speak for you. And maybe for you, it's better to just not be miserable watching these games. But let's dig in, man. I mean, they're two and three. They're very likely going to be three and three by the end of this, and by very likely that might be fifty fifty. But those aren't bad odds. Three and three is not the end of the world. A bounce back is entirely possible. We know that we have players on this team not playing up to their potential, and we know that this team can improve as a result. In fact, we know Jordan Love can play better because we've seen that also. Even if he's not the guy, we know he can be better than he was the last couple of weeks. So let's give it a chance. You already made the commitment. I'm sure they're not going to let you just walk out of that. I have tried to do that before. It costs an arm and a leg. In fact, I did buy my way out of it one time, and it was unbelievably expensive. So I'm sorry that your wife is um, making it miserable. That's unfortunate, but just dig in, man. You're in it now. And if next year you decide not to do it, then I guess don't do it. But I wouldn't. I I shouldn't say I would encourage you to. I don't know if that's right for your family either. That's a conversation between you and your wife. But I mean, what else is there? What else is there to being a Packer fan other than enjoying sitting down watching a Packer game? I I don't know what else there is. So. That's that's me. I, I can just tell you how I would feel about it, and hopefully that helps to some degree. Let's take one more call. Uh, we just got a new call from a new caller, so let's see what this is all about. Hey, Ryan. It's uh, Mitchell calling from Canada. Hey, what's up? Long time listener. Really love all the shows and uh, what you've built over there over the years. But just wanted to give my take on, on Jordan and the offense and what you were saying the other day or the last few days. and that love is a bit more to blame than the rest of the guys. And I know love isn't playing. At least in the last game. I can't say that for all the other games. Just my assessment from the Raiders game would be that Jordan is the most to blame. Maybe Matt LaFleur. You know, and that's the other thing. I've been defending the play calling. Maybe his play calling has sucked all year. If I go back and look at it, it's a lot worse. All I can say is in that one game, that was my assessment. And great. Um, But saying he deserves most of the blame... When most of the offense isn't playing well, it just doesn't seem right to me. Like, Well, somebody's the most. I mean, you, you could say the same thing about Elton Jenkins. Like, I think Elton Jenkins deserves the most blame. Well, that's not fair because nobody's playing right. I mean, maybe it's a tie, but more than likely somebody is to blame more than anybody else. And I, I listen, that's part of being a quarterback. You're, you're more likely to... I mean, we always talk about how you get all the praise when you win and all the blame when you lose. You are the most important piece. You get all the money for a reason. And that reason is, if you lose, most of the blame probably is on you. And if and, and that's not always the case, but I'm just saying it's, it's, it's a high probability. If you had to place a bet on, you know, who it was that performance maybe caused all the problems or who it was that was most important in this victory if you put your money on the quarterback you got a pretty good chance of winning it as opposed to some random you know right guard or something um so i I mean i get what you're saying in terms of like well everybody deserves blame i get it and i pointed out a lot of stuff you know i i talked about rashid i talked about elton jenkins and josh myers and john runyon and zach tom i talked about uh, aj Dillon not doing the right things you know, I called out a couple plays in which Matt LaFleur called a bad play. I talked about Luke Musgrave. I mean, I, I don't know that there were too many people. In fact, when you factor in Christian Watson and Romeo Dobbs's drops, I think Jaden Reed and Samori Ture are like the only ones I didn't criticize. So, I mean, you know, whatever. It's his mistakes and 
and bad plays not affecting or causing others to play bad. Um, no. If that makes sense. Like, but the other players' mistakes and inability to execute do affect Jordan's play. You know, getting flustered with pressure isn't something you can really coach out of him. You're right. But it is something that I think, you know, can get better with experience. Like, he was kind of getting comfy being comfy in the pocket. Right. Um, but it doesn't mean he can't improve in that area with more experience from it, right? Especially if guys around him are playing better and his confidence builds. Like, Jordan rushing something and throwing an inac- inaccurate ball does not make the blocking worse. But the blocking being bad can make Jordan rush a pass and be inaccurate, right? Right, and and you're right about that. But But again, my critique is that pressure is a part of playing football. And so far we've learned that he can't handle it. Now, can that improve? Sure. But it's still fair to critique him and say, you know, yes, there's pressure. Yes, there maybe was a little bit more pressure than there should have been. But I can still assess his play under pressure and say he wasn't good enough when there was pressure. And I can also assess his play when there wasn't pressure and say that wasn't good enough either. So you're right. A lot of this other stuff is is flustering him. But that's also a problem in and of itself. Because quarterbacks have to be able to navigate that. And, and you know, I know that seems unfair because it's like, well, come on, you, you can't blame Jordan for not being able to do his job when, when, you know, Josh Myers gave up a block and he's got a guy right in his face. It's like, well, I can. Because if I can point to 12 other guys that throw to the wide open guy in that situation and Jordan, you know, either doesn't throw it or throws it and misses or whatever the case is, you know, I mean, the, the, the question we have to ask is, is he the guy? And, and the guy doesn't just mean, you know, he looks really good on, you know, first and 10 when there's no pressure. The guy means all situations, and that's why I also think he needs a, a, at least a full year. We have to see all kinds of stuff. We got to see him at home. We got to see him on the road. We got to see him in the cold. We got to see him under pressure. We got to see him with a good offensive line, with with a run game, with no run game, with wide receivers out, with wide receivers playing really well. We got to see the deep ball, the, the 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 short passes, the across the body passes. Like I want I want to see the whole thing and put it on display and see what he can and can't do. And again, right now, when you go through the checklist, can he handle pressure? No. Is he good when there's no pressure? Not really. Can he throw the deep ball? No. Is he better at home? Not really. Um, you know, I mean, I don't, I don't know how many things we can honestly look at and say this is where he excels. I mean, that's what I'm struggling with. I remember I was doing that to Justin Fields. I went through every single stat I could find. I'm like, show me the one where he does a really good job. And unless we want to talk about downfield attempts, but that's not a talent. I could punt a frickin' football down the field all day long, and that doesn't make me an NFL quarterback. So, you know, I, I again, I'm, I'm not crucifying him. I'm not saying it's it's the end of the world, but he has to be able to perform in those situations, and, and he didn't in that game, and I hope that he can in the future. I do hope the offensive line can play better because the last two weeks have not been good enough. But... It, it just sends off alarm bells, at least for me. Obviously, a lot of other people, it doesn't. It sends, sets off alarm bells for me in terms of maybe he can't do this, you know? So that's, but again, that's just me. Jordan taking a sack does not contribute to a tight end running a wrong route, but a receiver running a wrong route can cause a sack. So I don't know. I hope that makes sense. And it does. Yeah, I am a big Jordan supporter since day one, basically since the draft. I said Jordan was better than what some thought he was. I said Hertz was better than what most thought. So maybe I'm just trying to not be wrong about our guy. Maybe I'm not thinking about it from all sides, but that's how I see it. You know, saying everyone is bad is correct. Saying it's Jordan's fault more than others just doesn't make sense to me, I guess, because like I said, his bad play doesn't really cause the issues others are having, but other players' issues does affect Jordan's play. And um, I guess another way that I could put that is, let's say you could pick one player, and that one player has like a let's just say an elite game. Let's you know PFF would give him like a ninety-five. Who would you pick? Now again, well that's unfair because it would always be the quarterback. That's right. But there are situations where the quarterback doesn't do anything wrong, and if you improve that person's play, or let's get rid of the 90 grade, let's just say they always made the right decisions and the right blocks and the right whatever at the right time. If you do that to A.J. Dillon, who makes mistakes, we're not doing it. Nothing changes. Nothing changes. 
I don't think we get one more yard if we tell A.J. Dillon to do everything perfectly. Um, you could pick one offensive lineman. That might take away a couple pressures, and it might help the run game a little bit, at least on a couple runs, at least you know the ones to that side, aside from the fact that there's other guys there that are, could also blow blocks and probably will. You make Jordan perfect, there's three less interceptions, which on its face, we win the game. There's also, again, wide open players on multiple plays, sometimes under pressure, sometimes not, and he's either not throwing it or throwing it inaccurately. Um, it's, it's not going to fix everything. You know, I mean, for example, that, that last interception in the end zone, I don't think it's a touchdown because it got blow, blown up by a offensive lineman not doing his job. So that's not going to fix that. But you know what it does fix? Jordan's not going to throw it. Or he's going to throw it a little bit better, which is either, you know, maybe grazing off the fingertips of just our wide receiver. But he's probably just going to throw it away rather than throwing it, you know, under throwing it right to the receiver or the defender. So, you know, I mean, I, I, I don't know how you would gauge it. And maybe you just wouldn't. And it's, it's more or less just everybody failed. But I mean, if I were to ask the question, who is most to blame for the game? I know a lot of people would say Matt LaFleur. Um, I wouldn't. I just, I can't, as bad as some guys were, you can't tell me a three-interception game isn't the problem. Like, I'm looking right at those three interceptions and saying, forget even perfect game, take away the three picks, I think we win. He can have all the other really bad passes and really bad decisions that he had in this game, and there were a lot of them. Just take away the three picks, I still think we win the game. Maybe not, but I think there's a good chance we do. If he had zero, just zero picks... Yeah, and I and I don't want Malifleur to be vanilla, but he can be a little less complicated. I think to to help these guys get some wins and gain the confidence. Like let's slowly build up to going full uh, Malifleur playbook. Like the guys clearly aren't ready for for all that. It seems, but it doesn't mean they can't be by like the last quarter of the season. But like let's build towards it. Let's get good at certain things and then take the next steps. Like. We're not dumbing it down for Jordan either, technically. Like, maybe we dumb it down a bit for everyone else to see more clearly what the issues are. You know, if we dumb it down for everyone else, they get a bit better, and Jordan doesn't get better, then, yeah, he's not the guy. And another reason I think it's a bit more coaching and mistakes are... Um, let's go ahead and just do the next part of the call. I was going to take a break, but we'll just we'll go ahead and grab it. Yeah, Mitchell, again, I really didn't think I'd get cut off by <laughs> three minutes, but I no guess surprises, I did. Um, yeah, I think where I left off was saying basically, like, another reason it could be more coaching and, like, mistakes around Jordan is because, like, how he, he does play better in the second half usually. So is he really just a bad QB in the first half and then a decent QB in the second? Or is it, you know, when things around him do get improved in the second, he's able to play a bit better football? Yeah, and that would be a worthwhile thing to kind of go back and look, because that wasn't really the case in this game necessarily, maybe a little bit, in terms of like, you know, terrible first half, dominant second half. Um, you know, want to look at the Saints game or something like that to kind of see the flow of the game and what they were kind of doing differently, and maybe that's the case. But, I mean, you, the, the, at least the way you phrase that, um, it still kind of leaves me with a it doesn't matter mentality, right? If if the thing is, once everything got cleaned up around him, once the offensive line was was blocking to where there was almost no pressure, once the receivers were in the exact right spot, once the the play calling was exactly right, then Jordan was able to work. And and you know, I mean, at that point, we're talking about a a talented game manager that can manage the game insofar as things are are really really good around him not just like things aren't collapsing because i think a lot of guys struggle when when they're i mean we're seeing pat mahomes kind of struggle a little bit um just as as things are kind of pulling back there i mean we saw brock purdy fall apart when i think i didn't really watch too much of the game but it looked like you know a lot of pressure was getting to him and whatnot really not a very good offensive line i mean guys can get flustered especially if you're not some elite top tier guy but I, I wonder where that line is would be my question because I, I I wonder if maybe for a lot of other guys and I hate to even call him a game manager because I don't want him to be I want him to be you know I, I know what his talent is like I said I, I my whole thing on Jordan was he's either going to be an elite quarterback or he's going to be really bad but let's just say he's he's kind of in the middle somewhere um 
there still has to be kind of a, a high threshold of things that you can tolerate. You know, it, it, it can't be that things have to be all right. There has to be some level of understanding what to do when things aren't perfect, when things break down. And um, I guess that's the thing I'm questioning at this point is, is his threshold. So I'm not trying to give Love all the excuses. Um, he definitely needs to be better. But it's hard to say he deserves most of the blame. Um, you know, if he can't improve, he ain't the guy, plain and simple. Right. Um, he needs to improve. But it is hard for him to improve, in my eyes, with, you know, improve much with all the other mistakes that are going on. So, No, and I, I think that's right. But at the same time, again, I'm glad. Imagine, for example, that the offensive line stayed that good, like in weeks one and two or three or whatever, for the entire year. And he saw like a, a you know really low pressure rate. I think he was one of the lowest in the NFL in, as far as his pressure rate. And we all felt really good about Jordan. And he was even improving and all this kind of stuff. And then we get some kind of an injury, you know, like we did with David Bakhtiari, but we get another one. Or just the offensive line is just not as elite as it was the past year. And and now we've committed to Jordan Love. You know, we give him a big contract. And suddenly, instead of like an 18% pressure rate, it's like a 27%. And this other side of Jordan comes out. I'm not saying I want every day to be horrible. But we kind of, it, it, because we're calling it an evaluation year, I want to put guys through the fire a little bit and you know if the offensive if let's say everything you're saying happens and everything improves and everything's great and jordan kind of goes back to being great i'm really nervous because that's not reality that's not real life things are going to break down and and it's like i i need to know not again i say i as though i'm making the decision i'm not but for me to form an opinion on him i would need to know that he can handle that stuff and so far we've realized he can't so, yes, I, I hope at least in this game, like, things go better and the blocking is better, the receivers are a little bit more on point, and the play calling is better, and all the things just get better. And Jordan looks a lot better. But I don't want it to just be perfect the rest of the season. You know, we've got to see him overcome some adversity, you know, at least in situations, or at the very least, if there's less pressure, he needs to be able to handle the pressure really well. Even if it's just 20% pressure, you know, let, let's see him have, you know, 12 of 18 that's that's a high number he is you know four of of seven for 60 yards and a touchdown or something 72 pff grade whatever just show that you can handle it you can navigate it you can step up in the pocket keep your eyes downfield find the open guy and throw it accurately because you know I, i i just i just worry too much about saying he's the guy so long as we can have a perfect team. I don't know, just to put most of the blame on him when everyone's kind of playing bad. And I still think, like, it is basically his first year with these guys, like, on the field in live action. So, I don't know, a bit more time, obviously. But, yeah, of course, we need to see improvement. I just don't think that the the blame really rests on him more than anyone else. But... We usually go on a bit of a run after the bye week, so like, let's hope that happens this year too. You know, coaching needs to be better, I think, as as well as execution. But you know, yeah, if Jordan isn't great, he is. You know, if he's that bad, he's just he's not the guy. Um, anyway, just my thoughts. Maybe you can elaborate and help me understand more why it's still more on Jordan despite everyone playing pretty bad. Because I think if you put like Goff on our offense right now, his numbers would probably be similar. Uh, maybe I'm wrong, you know, maybe Goff does see as much pressure or whatever, but, you know, is he seeing pressure from, you know, both sides of the line? Are, are the guys running routes on wrong on Detroit, you know, are the plays, you know, that bad sometimes with Detroit? Like, it's not just the pressure thing. I just think if you put someone like Goff on our offense, um, you probably have similar numbers, in my opinion. And again, maybe I'm wrong. Anyways, appreciate everything. Thanks, man. Yeah, so, um, I mean, I, I don't think, again, and, and to elaborate, which I guess I kind of already did, all, all I was really saying is I think he bears the most blame for that loss. In other words, he was the biggest reason that the Packers didn't win that one game. Um, and again, I, I get what you're saying in terms of, you know, uh, some of his blame is also somebody else's blame. Like his bad pass was because of a missed block or whatever. So there's sort of shared blame. But even if you did that, even if you said, okay, this play was negative, so that's a negative for Jordan and a negative for for Elton Jenkins for missing a block. 
Okay, but it, it's still going to tally up, and and Jordan's going to be the one with the most negatives. As far as pressure, um, this one might surprise some people. Jordan Love has been under pressure 29.5% of his dropbacks, which seems incredibly high. It's actually the fourth lowest. Tua is at 21.5, Jimmy Garoppolo 24.8, Joe Burrow 25.4, Jordan 29.5. I'm actually stunned at how high this is. I want to go back to last year. Am I just not understanding this correctly? No, I'm just used to an elite offensive line. Aaron Rodgers last year was 26.7, which is similar. He was the third lowest. So the Packers offensive lines are just elite all the time. Right smack dab in the middle. Let's see. So there's 40. So at 20, Brock Purdy, 33.6% pressure. Um, that was last year. This year, Justin Fields is under pressure the most. And yes, some of this depends on the quarterback but still just for just for reference 49.5 percent 50 percent of his dropbacks he's under pressure so i know you said pressure isn't like the biggest thing but just just for context and i'm honestly even stunned by this um yeah the the, the fourth lowest pressure rate of any quarterback and he has the third lowest passing grade of any quarterback um ahead of just gardner Minshew and daniel jones while under pressure behind bryce young cj stroud Deshaun Watson, and Zach Wilson. His completion percentage under pressure is 34.2%, which is dead last. It's 35th out of 35 quarterbacks. He's completed 13 of 38 passes for 144 yards, one touchdown, and three interceptions. So again, and, and that's kind of, it's important for the, the point that I'm making, which is people are throwing context at me, which makes sense. I like context. And the context is, yeah, but... He's under pressure, and that's not his fault. That's the offensive line's fault. And my context back to you is everybody faces pressure. Everybody also faces plays where they're not under pressure. So you can separate them, identify them independently, and then see how they're doing. And again, Jordan Love is one of the worst quarterbacks while under pressure. You say, what about well kept clean? Well, when there is no pressure, let's see, let me find him here. He ranks 2030 as a 73.5 PFF grade, which again is, is fantastic, but um 14 quarterbacks have an 80 or higher and uh five almost six have a 90 or higher when there's no pressure number one being jared goff number six being kirk cousins so the competition in the nfc north is uh you definitely want to make sure you bring pressure let's just say that but his completion percentage again right the, the passes are better if he's not under pressure he's dead last 62.1 percent with no pressure 62.9 is andy dalton who's one spot ahead of him. So he is dead last in, while there's pressure, he's also dead last with no pressure. He's completed 77 of 124 passes. So I know I don't have to convince you that Jordan is struggling because you've already mentioned that, but um, I think that that is important context to go along with the context, right? Because all these things are context. You know, the, the play calling matters, the offensive line matters, the run game matters, all that stuff matters in terms of how a quarterback performs. And again, my my retort to that is we can isolate these things to some degree. You know, it's hard to isolate the play calling, but I tried to do that when I went back and watched the game because my, my whole thing with play calling is play callers are doing their job if you have options. If there is a way, an option for you to get a first down on third and seven, if there is a guy running open, the play caller has done his job. Now it's a question of can you do your job? And, and my review of it, and you heard me do it live play by play, is that with the exception of a few plays, the play calling was on point and there were options. So I can't blame the play calling. I can't necessarily blame the the offensive line because, again, regardless of how good or bad they are, Jordan is worse than most quarterbacks while under pressure, and he's also worse than most quarterbacks while there's no pressure. So it's kind of, it doesn't, the point is it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter how we change things or isolate things. He's not playing well enough. And we can we can make everything perfect. It's still not good enough. So he just needs to be better. Just plain and simple. Anyways, we're running kind of long here. Uh, why don't we take a quick break? We'll be right back. Mitchell, I appreciate you calling in. Please uh, please feel free to call back. We'll take a break. We'll be right back. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high-value Jordan Love card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now, introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view on all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now when I buy slab packs on Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. And honestly, the best thing for me and my son is the fact that we're kind of novices into this. When I walk into a card shop with my son, 
and a card says it costs $40, kind of just taking his word for it that that's a good value. So I appreciate the transparency on grading, as well as just getting excited about seeing what you could potentially get. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash packdaddy. Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing, but they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right, a company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones. And to see what we find, learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built for us. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Hey, Kyle from Madison again. So, yeah, every time I call, I keep forgetting to bring up this this point, and I've been wanting to get your opinion on it. I finally right. remembered it. So hopefully this gets in before um, game time. But is it just me, or did Christian Watson look like he just he wasn't at full speed? Because I I and I've been meaning to say this to you because like seriously, I cannot believe he got caught. I think it was by one of the older, uh, was it Peterson or somebody? I think, but one of the older defensive backs, I think, was the one that horse collared him. But, like, I was surprised. It just seemed like he yeah. wasn't running 100%, and uh, I don't know if that's physical, mental, or what. But it really, on that on that play where he got caught, yeah, I remember thinking, geez, you know, I don't, I don't think full strength, uh, full health Christian Watson gets caught like that. Right. So I don't know if, if you had heard anything or if you thought the same, but um, if that is true and he is, you know, this next week at 100%, that's going to make a huge difference. Uh, anyway, talk to you later. That is a good point. I, I do remember being surprised he got caught from behind. Um, that one definitely, you know, when, when you see him kind of break past people, it's like, oh, you're not catching him. We've seen that. I mean, we've seen him where it almost seems impossible that he's not going to get caught where, you know, like against that Eagles, the, the Eagles game where he's coming across the formation um, and cuts up the field, you're like, somebody's going to be able to cut him off, and they couldn't even cut him off, even with a, with an, a good angle or whatever. So, yeah, for for him to be caught by from behind, especially by, like, an older player, definitely a little bit surprising. Maybe he just kind of ran out of gas down the field. I'm not sure. Um, I, I You know, I did kind of think it a couple times when I saw people kind of running shoulder to shoulder with him that he was kind of jogging a little bit. I did see the one play I know that I mentioned where he was just sailing past people, which was good to see. But I, I, I guess I never really put it together in my mind aside from, you know, I wasn't keying in on him. You know, there were other games like last year when I just, you know, we weren't seeing Christian Watson or whatever, and I turned it on, and he just ran past everybody. Like, he was just sailing past people, and I was like, holy crap. I didn't really look for that in this game. I was kind of just looking to, you know, as the play progressed, is somebody open or whatever? Not necessarily how fast they're going. Um, so, yeah, I guess I only noticed the one time when he sailed by some guys, and I think that was another misthrow play. But, um, you know, even even the one that he, quote-unquote, dropped was kind of weird. I mean, it, it kind of seemed like he geared down a little bit, but maybe it was too much because he had to dive for the pass, or if, if he was running full speed, that didn't feel like full speed. It looked like he was jogging, and the, the defenders were just kind of right there with him. So it just kind of felt weird in terms of, like, are you going as fast as you can, or are you kind of jogging out here, or what are we doing? Um Again, I, I, I saw it once, but even that I can't say definitively was full speed. It would be interesting, and that'll that'll be something. I'm not going to go back and uh, do that because I'm already trying to get on these grades a little bit or at least play around with it so I can be ready for next week. Um, but, uh, yeah, that's that's interesting. I haven't really thought about that. 
Hey, Ryan. It's Aaron from Eau Claire. What up? I'm just giving you a call with an idea, a thought that came to me as I've been listening to... Is it about Watson? All of the Packernet After Dark discussions, all the statistical uh, analysis of Jordan Love's play, where he's been... Um, where he's been grading out bad and all that stuff. Um, an idea came to me that maybe as a fan with just thinking optimistically, I think there is definitely a desire for us as fans to want to think positively about Jordan Love um, because it's much more depressing not to. <laughs> So that's one thing is I think well and and it's it's kind of an easy out and I don't mean that to be disrespectful but it's it's easy to just look at it and be like dude it's been a handful of games we can't conclude anything yet let's calm down right which is which is fair if you want to just say it's not a big enough sample size so it's stupid to try to do that that's completely fine um but I'm just looking at where we're at right now and saying so this isn't great but I think for a lot of people it's like you know what don't talk to me. <laughs> like, if it's good, you can tell me it's good. But if it's not, then just shut up because it's too early and we'll see how it materializes. Like, all right, well, fair enough. You know, I just think you're you're um, you're hearing a lot of people coming to Jordan's defense, and I think a lot of that is just, hey, we just you know, people just want him to be good, um, which is very much, you know, like you've been saying, definitely falls kind of in that same. Uh, camp of those Bears fans who are, you know, continuously just uh, ready for Justin Fields to turn the corner and to be start winning more and becoming more effective. So, um, which isn't to compare the uh, compare Jordan Love to Justin Fields directly, and, and I'm not trying to say that their fates are going to be the same or that they're the same player. But I think it's the same phenomenon, which is just we see the talent, we want it to be, we want it to come true. You know, we want this dream of him becoming the next franchise quarterback to come true. So I think um, that's kind of what I'm hearing from a lot of uh, people. I think I would fall into that category in some ways, like, you know, understanding that it's still just a work in progress or we'll, we'll find out. But yeah. Um, but then the other thing I was thinking about is he forgot and then wanted to call back, but I'll tell you what, we got to take one more quick break. I know we just had one, but we only have three calls left. So, um, my time management isn't great. My apologies. If you want to help me uh, with my self-esteem, patreon.com forward slash back underscore daddy. Hit me up on Venmo, Packernet Podcast. We'll take a break. We'll be right back. Honestly felt bad for uh, Garrett. Felt like we should take up a collection for him so him and his wife can go on a vacation or something or get him some some stuff going on. I, you, you know what I was thinking since uh, before we get started? You know what I want to do? You know what my dream would be at this point, aside from you know continuing the podcast for the rest of my life? But I'm currently I'm on that track already. You know what would be super dope? And I might have mentioned this already. I want to be the Green Bay Packers version of Mr. Beast. And you can call me Mr. Cheese. And my whole thing is, I make content so that I can make money. And then I take that money, and I give it to people who are Packer fans so that they can be awesome Packer fans. Like, what up, bro? Packer tickets. Hey, what's you doing for the tailgate? Maybe you should take this meat and this grill I got for you and have yourselves a cool tailgate. You know what I'm saying? What, you can't watch the games? Boom! NFL Sunday ticket. Jerseys all around. Enjoy. It'd be so much fun. Just like go to a stranger's house that doesn't have much, roll up with a freaking sweet like pellet grill, 10 bags of pellets, like 100 bucks worth of meat, and just be like, hey dude, what you doing for the game? <laughs> Why don't you get started because I'm hungry. Then we just hang out at this random dude's house and watch Packer game. And then just head out and there you go. I don't know. I think it'd be fun. If somebody steals my idea, I'm, I'm actually going to to harm you, just so you know. It might take me 40 years to get there. I'm going to be a 90-year-old Santa Claus with a big old gray beard and a gut and a green and gold Santa suit busting into people's houses who are hooked up to their VRs and be like, hey, man, I'm just, never mind, I'll leave it over here. 
but I'm doing it. So you shut up and don't steal my ideas. Anyways, uh, sorry, Aaron, get to your uh, second point here. Uh, okay, I, I remembered how I was going to say what I was going to say. Um, so yeah, I think in a lot of ways, us as fans, I'll put myself in that category, are uh, sort of optimistically overlooking some of the bad stuff that Jordan Love has shown in hopes that it's just part of the process of getting better or of experiencing um, the pressure of a starting quarterback job and that hopefully, you know, it's just part of the process and not just how it's always going to be, if that makes sense. Um, Which I think you're right. There's no real evidence to show that that's going to happen um, other than to say that there have been examples of players who have gotten better over the course of time and um, some of them have started off and, and slowly got better. Josh Allen. I think he started off pretty hot, um, other yeah, than right. the incompletions and some of the inaccuracies. But, you know, his first couple games, he had some, some promising stuff on uh, tape that, you know, he did a good job of. The other thing I was going to say, though, is, um, I you know, we – there's been a lot of people kind of commenting on receivers running the wrong route Even a boat? and so on and so forth. What I'm wondering about is maybe more than receivers running the wrong routes, maybe it's just the timing and the chemistry yeah. not being in sync yet um, in terms of Jordan Love and these receivers in game situations. Um, Maybe there's some kind of disconnect there. Just and maybe that's what I think a lot of fans are talking about with growing pains. Is you know it's kind of hard to tell sometimes, like if the receivers maybe they're running the right route, but they're kind of anticipating or showing up at the wrong benchmarks in the wrong place. I don't know how it all works. Um, I'm, I'm completely speculating here. Sure. But I guess um, I guess my point is I think as fans we're not sure that there's not other mistakes happening that could just be timing mistakes, that could just be um, somebody not looking when when uh, Jordan's ready. There's also maybe someone's open, but Jordan's looking at a different part of the progression. I don't really know. Um, and that's where the, the complexities of the game escape me. So, anyways, love to know your thoughts. Well, yeah, and, and me too. But um, And I think stuff like that affected Rodgers. I, I think that was a big part of what happened in 2022, aside from the thumb, is, you know, trust. And we know Rodgers is, like big time with trust, maybe a little bit over the top, but that's every quarterback to some degree. You know, if if, if I don't feel like you're going to be looking or, you know, if I look and, you know, for my timing, when I get to the top of my drop, you're supposed to be out of your break. You're not. So I'm coming off of it. And maybe if I stick with it, you're going to come out of your break. Everything's going to be fine. But it's like, this isn't the rhythm. This isn't how it goes. Like, I'm looking. You're not out of your break. All right, I got to go to number two. Two's not there. Three's not there. I got to run. And then I break out and, and you know, I'm watching it like, Dude was open. What are you? What are you doing? You know, stuff like that does happen. Um, again, I don't remember everything perfectly after I went back and watched it. I, I didn't observe like a ton of that, but it, it is always hard to tell. Like if somebody's open, where his eyes are and where they're supposed to be. You know, that's the other thing I don't know. But you know, at the same time, you look at some of these, and it's like the concepts are pretty straightforward. A lot of them, you might have four guys out running routes. But really, two of them are kind of just like decoys, right? Two of them are clearing out, and and so it's kind of you're looking for one guy, and if he's not there, you drop it off into the flat to the other guy or or underneath or whatever. So, I mean, I, I again, I don't know that, but it, it seems straightforward and intuitive. So when he's not seeing it, it's like, what are you looking at? The design is to get this guy. This guy is clearly the guy that's the target. He's open. I don't understand, like, and, and again, that, that is like the process and all that kind of stuff. Um and again, the, the the most frustrating thing is like this is the thing that I said that he can do, right? Like he he's just he's really just accuracy away from being an elite quarterback. 
the timing and the rhythm, his ability to just see it and throw it and just the everything is just so beautiful. The footwork and you know, even the breakdowns with him, you know, the 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 negatives were more nitpicky than anything else. It wasn't like Justin Fields was like, dude, your footwork is trash and like what are you doing? Um it sounded like he was talking about to a high school kid or something. With Jordan, it was more like, you know, technically I think your feet should be a little bit more like this, but it was a good throw and, you know, you can make it a little easier on yourself if you kind of do a little half hitch instead of a full hitch. You know, I mean, it's like it's real fine-tuning type stuff. So I I was feeling good about it, man. I'm like, you know, the accuracy is an issue, but, you know, some of that isn't even his fault and blah, 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 and yeah, they're deeper passes, so that kind of contributes to the percentage and everything. But then, like, the stuff that he does really well, it's like he's not doing it. And I understand the pressure and all that stuff and, and whatever. But I, I listen, I, I just think this week I just want to see that Jordan again. I don't care about the accuracy necessarily. I mean, I do it long term, but like just show me that Jordan again. That's just a, a, an efficient freaking machine. That's just he understands the play call and why the play is called and exactly where to go with the ball. He's reading the defense and like boom, 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 just pick, 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 just picking them apart. Just show me that guy. And if he misses some passes that aren't intercepted, so be it. But we can beat the Broncos with that. So at least we get that version of Jordan Love back, and then we can kind of move forward and like, all right, we got that again. You know, hopefully we get a little bit of, you know, let's let's build on this now. Now let's get back to this, that, or the other. And listen, if he can't get the accuracy up, he's not going to be a quarterback. I mean, that's just, it's not good enough. Um, I don't think there's ever been a starting quarterback of any real caliber that's had as bad of a completion percentage as as Jordan Love has right now. Um but again, I'm I'm not I'm not asking for perfection this week. I just want to see the Jordan Love that gave me confidence that he was going to be a really good quarterback back. I want to see that guy. And and you know, that that does mean contribution from everybody else, but it doesn't mean perfection. So, that's my hope. I just want to see week 1 Jordan Love again. Hey Ryan, it's AA Ron from Claire. What's up? Um just wanted to call in quick and say that one of my favorite things ever is your commercial uh, <laughs> advertisement thing that you Don't recorded lie. where you say, it's your boy. <laughs> oh, I tried. Um, I laugh every time. I just think that it's just perfect comedic timing. It's so good. So that's all. Thanks. All right. Fair enough. I, I, I'm not kidding you. I, I just recorded another one today. I hate doing that so much because it just, like, I, I like doing it live. I don't like the pre-recorded because it feels more like I have to be professional and so I try to be, but that's not, you You guys know me well enough to know my personality. So it's like, how do I like do a, this professional ad, but also still be myself? So where people aren't like, this guy's full of crap. Like, what is this garbage? Like, that's not, that's not you. This isn't how you talk. So it's kind of a, I don't know. It's kind of a difficult thing. So sometimes it's just, it's kind of stupid. And the other thing I have to consider is um, how they sound try to make sure that because you're going to listen to it every single day. And there, there's times where it's like, I'm not even, I, I refuse to listen to my podcast because I don't want to listen to my ads. And it's, it's bad because it's me. It's always worse when it's yourself. But, um, I forget what the one is, but it's just like the way that it, the intro is, it's like, oh, geez, it's just, it's just, I hate it. And so then I have to think like, what, what you want to make sure that there's not like a thing that is like nails on a chalkboard that because it's going to be every day. And sometimes t- they play that ad twice on the show and it's like, come on, man, play some other stuff. Like I'm, I'm, I'm unbelievably grateful to our advertisers. It's not on them. It's on me. I just, it's my delivery in this stuff. But, um, yeah, I don't know. It's, uh, it's, it's difficult to figure out how to find that balance of, of just doing that really well and being authentic, but also being yourself and honoring the advertiser and all that stuff. I, I record it, I don't know how many times, and then it has to be like, I try to get it to be exactly a minute. You know how freaking hard that is? So I'm like trying to trim up different things, and sometimes I have to re-record it because it's not long enough, and then you can get dinged for that. So it's like, well, I gotta, but you don't want to just have like super long pauses. So I don't, you know, I don't know. It's tough, man. I'm sure from your standpoint, it's just stupid and obnoxious, but I put a lot of work into those, <laughs> believe it or not. But I appreciate that. Hey, Ryan, Trevor, Virginia. Hopefully so, you get to this before the game. Um, that's what I'm thinking. I've been calling for a few days now, ever since Monday Night Football, but or Sunday Night Football, I think it was. But anyway, um, this is not an excuse for anybody. Um, I don't want you to think that's what I'm doing because I'm not. Like, it's Jordan Love needs to play better, he's to throw better, and all that. Um, but I will say, my one disappointment with our wide receivers is 
when I watch other teams, there's always underthrown deep balls. Like deep balls are just a difficult pass by nature. Um, and Jordan has been bad at it. Don't get me wrong, but they're just difficult by nature. And he, when our receivers have underthrown balls, I just don't see them fighting to work back to the ball the way I see other receivers. Um, they kind of give up. And maybe that's just because our balls are so underthrown by Jordan Love that they can't work back with that. Where the ball lands, that doesn't seem to be the case to me. And um, I think it was like A.J. Brown or somebody, but I see it all the time, too. These receivers, they're looking back. And when the ball is thrown, these other receivers have the ability to judge that it's going to be underthrown when it's thrown. And they'll do this thing where they slow down, and it like keeps the defender behind them. Mm-hmm. And then right when the ball gets there, they'll speed up again yep. a little bit to create that little bit of separation. And... Then even if they don't get to the ball, there's and and to be fair, that's probably what Christian was doing on that one pass that he dropped. Because again, it looked like he was jogging, and then he ended up diving for it. So so that is probably a timing thing a little bit, where you know maybe he slowed down a little bit too much so that he had to completely extend for it, which you know was fine if you catch it, I guess. But he didn't, so it would have been a little better if he didn't maybe slow down quite that much. But I I get what you're saying. Since the defender is still behind him, there's no way for the ball to be picked off or anything so i just i've never i know receivers are young maybe it'll come but like i feel like they need to give a little more effort on this too um every pass isn't going to be perfect um but anyway everybody needs to be better honestly and that's where i get to the broncos game i mean come on it's the broncos like bad quarterbacks have three yard games rookie quarterbacks have three yard games I want Jordan Love to put up 300 yards on this terrible, terrible Broncos team. I mean, can you do it? And I know, like, yards are arbitrary and whatnot. I get that, right? Like, it's not. You can have a good game without 300 yards, but I don't care. I want to see a game where you fill up the stat sheet. I want to see a game where you show that you can be the guy. And if you're not going to get the Broncos, obviously it could happen, but I don't see what it's going to. And I have a Jordan Love jersey for no reason at that point. So, anyway, hopefully – we get a win this week. Go back go. Yeah, the um, I had two thoughts on that. I'm currently just looking at the passing yards, though, just out of curiosity. Looks like two teams, although this isn't right, because it says Pat Mahomes threw for 300 yards. PFF says he threw for 306 yards, but I'm looking. It says the defense gave up 293. So unless somebody else threw a pass for... I see Kadarius Tony did throw a pass, but it wasn't for negative seven yards. I don't know. But according to this, only two teams threw for 300 yards. It was the Miami Dolphins, 376, and the Bears, 300. Otherwise, it was 200 for the Raiders, 266 for Washington, 173 for the Jets, and 293 for the Chiefs. So just, I was curious to look into that, because if it was 300 across the board, then it's like, ah, I guess we have to ask for 300. Um, and, and again, the, the one thing that does make me nervous, we've got to remember, it was they, they only allowed... 17 points week one, 19 points this past week, 28 against Chicago, which, you know, is not, it's not great, but it's not the worst. It's really just the 70 and then a 35 against Washington and a 31 against the Jets that really make them so bad. You know, a lot of people, this is the worst defense in history. It's like, well, no, I mean, yeah, if you look at every single game and everything else, it's, it's pretty bad, but you know, that 70 weighs so heavily. So I just, I don't want to get too hung up in that. You know, again, you got Pat Mahomes and the Kansas City Chiefs, they scored 19 points. To act like it's, it's you know, only the worst of the worst teams don't hang 30 on them, then I guess the Chiefs kind of suck. I don't know. I'm just saying, don't expect what happened to them from weeks two to five to be the exact same team. You know, I don't know. But anyways, as far as the wide receiver thing, a couple things come to mind. Number one, it's tough to answer or address these questions because it's more just personal observations and so i'm trying to go back into my memory bank which is useless and then it's like well is there a statistic or whatever and it's kind of tough or whatever but i will say the although i don't necessarily see the same thing you're seeing i do know that at least early in the season and in the preseason whatever this is probably the only reason jordan love has even as high of a percentage as he has is because guys like romeo dobbs and Jaden reed coming back fighting for the ball i mean that was like the one thing that was working was these guys fight for the balls now, I don't remember that recently, as in the Raiders game necessarily, or probably even before that, but certainly in the first several weeks, there was a lot of really tough contested, like the, the receivers really helping out their quarterback. So I I don't think if, you, if, if there was any kind of a metric, I'm guessing if you looked at it year long, it would not be a problem, probably in the last two weeks or so. 
talking about the two games we played. There probably hasn't been much of that. But um, yeah, I, I just, I, I, I can only say that I don't have any personal thoughts because I don't have any personal recollection of that in particular. But it definitely will help a quarterback, obviously, if he can just kind of throw it up and trust that you get a 50-50. Actually, let me look at that. It's not exactly what you're talking about, but I am curious about, you know, 50-50 balls. Yeah, actually, the the highest is um, Romeo Dobbs, who ranks 51st with a 44.4% contested catch rate. So that is actually pretty bad. Um, who are the other guys? This is too big. I can't really see. Uh, so Romeo is 51st, and Tavian Wicks is 63rd. Jaden Reed is 85th. He's tied while well, he's tied for 85th because he has, I'm guessing, zero contested catches. What is his? He's 0 for 5 on contested catches. So yeah, that's not good at all. And Christian, I don't think is on here because he hasn't played enough, but I don't know that he has any contested catches. So yeah, definitely something to keep an eye on. Trying to work a little bit harder for those balls so that, you know, when he throws it up, try to adjust appropriately, which could be a factor. You know, I mean, deep passing is its own thing. And trying to figure that out is is a process. But again, I, I, I just feel like we don't have a ton of time. So I'm just, that's why I just keep saying, I hope we come out of this bye week swinging and we see the deep ball, you know, give it, give us that first play deep ball to Christian Watson. Let's just blow the freaking doors off this thing right out of the gate. That'd be dope. But anyways, I'm going to leave you guys with that. We are officially caught up. So feel free to get your calls in if you're interested. Uh, otherwise, I will just talk to you on the regular podcast tomorrow. Have a good one. Bye-bye. <laughs>